Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 259 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from this holiday week. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm excited to be coming to you with this very last episode of 2021. I'm going to take a two-week break over the holidays, and we'll come back to you with new episodes starting the week of January 10th. In today's episode, we will continue the conversation that we started last week talking about the feelings and emotions that we all feel while running, and I'm going to be covering two new ones today. Before we get there, I wanted to quickly let you know that both of our podcast-based virtual training groups will be opening up for registrations starting the week of January 3rd. That's the Rogue She Squad, coached by Ruth England and Jennifer Howard-Brown, and the Rogue Renegades, coached by me and James Dodds. Both of those groups will be open for the entire month of January for those that want to jump in to train for races that will be happening later in the spring. Optimally, if you join those groups, you would be doing races in the April through June timeframe, but we can more or less work with anything if you're willing to be flexible. And so we'd love to have you join those groups. With those groups, you of course get a schedule that you can follow. Depending on what distance you're training for, we'll have speed track, half marathon track, as well as full marathon tracks in both of those groups. You also get weekly podcasts explaining the schedules as well as giving more info and tips for the week. And then, of course, you get a virtual forum in which to interact with your fellow teammates and your coaches to get individual questions answered. Both of those groups have really strong cultures and vibes within the group. She Squad is obviously an all-female group, and they're going to be working through the book Roar again by Dr. Stacy Sims on how running needs to be changed and modified for the female body. And then they're also going to be working through a book by Matt Fitzgerald called The Comeback Quotient, a get real guide to building mental fitness in sport and life. So they'll be working through those books in parallel to following their training schedule and training curriculum. And then, of course, for those that would like to join the Renegades, that's our original podcast-based training group coached by myself and James Dodds. We'll have, we'll have training options for everybody who wants to get fast at the 5K all the way to the marathon, and we would love to have you join us. So check it out on January 3rd. You can go to our website, roguerunning.com, and find more information about those programs when they open up. So stay tuned for that. And again, you'll be able to register for them all the way through to the end of January. Okay, so with that as our intro, I want to jump in our, onto our main topic today. We're going to be talking about a couple of more emotions and feelings that we cover when with running. In my last episode, episode 258, we talked about pain and triumph. And so those were two opposing feelings. And we talked about both what you might feel when you're having those feelings, as well as, of course, how to process and move through them. And then today we're going to be talking about two other opposing feelings that we all feel in some form associated with our running training, and that's anxiety and peace. Anxiety and peace. So we're going to be talking about those two opposing feelings. We're going to cover, again, just like last week, we'll talk about what you might feel, describing what that looks like for you, including what it might look like for me. 
and then we'll talk about how you might process and move through and or take advantage of those feelings as they come. Of course, I also want to draw a distinction similar to what I did last week with pain. You know, in many ways, pain for us is a privilege because we choose to bring it into our lives through this pursuit of running. And I want to make a similar statement this week about anxiety because what I'm talking about here is the more ephemeral form of anxiety. And I know there are some that might face more ongoing and chronic anxiety that is certainly a mental health condition that many struggle with. This, what I'm talking about today, is separate and distinct from that. And if you have challenges like that, I would encourage you to seek the help of a mental health professional. But what I'm talking about here today when I talk about anxiety is more of that ephemeral anxiety that might come, especially around when we might have big things happening in either training or racing. So I think it's important to make that distinction because there are many who face more ongoing and chronic forms of anxiety. And in those cases, of course, I highly recommend that you seek the help of a medical professional to work through those things. So we're going to be talking about that more ephemeral form of anxiety, that anxiety that might pop up around big workouts, big races, big moments in training, turning points in your training. And, you know, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about what that looks like, what it feels like, and then how to process and move through it in the context of the type of events that we're doing. And so when I so when we talk about anxiety, I want to talk about just some of the ways that I might experience it, that some of you might experience it. There is there is a host of ways and there's more than the ones I'm going to mention, but but here are some that I've felt. You know, there's the anxiety of anticipation which may or may not have a negative connotation, but there's that anxiety of if something big is coming, that feeling, those nerves that start to well up in you, that something big is is on the table, is about to be in front of us. And that can come, that anxiety of anticipation could come in advance of a big workout in training. It could come in, in advance of a big race, but it's that, that nerve, that undercurrent of nerves that pop up, maybe the butterflies in your stomach when something big is about to happen. And I think in some cases it can maybe feel good because it 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 means you're getting excited about to, to do about having to do something coming up or that something's on the horizon. But then it can also certainly have more challenging connotations when it starts to be debilitating, when you start to turn that from that that normal anxiety associated with a big pursuit to something that might fall into worry beyond that, which is a separate and distinct form of anxiety that I've felt. So there's that anxiety of anticipation that a big event is coming, those butterflies in your stomach. Think about this similar to what you might experience on a roller coaster when you're going up the big hill about to have the first big drop of the roller coaster and the coaster is inching up and you hear that clicking as it climbs that hill methodically and then you get to the top and it releases and then you suddenly rush down the hill on the other side and those butterflies come but that there's that anxiety of anticipation of what's about to happen when we crest the hill of the roller coaster and start to flow naturally again so there's that type of anxiety, which in 
oftentimes can be a good feeling because you know it, it means something big is coming. There's also anxiety that I would relate to, you know, in a similar way to that frenetic energy associated with a start line. So there's that frenetic energy, that start lane anxiety of when you have all of those people around you and you can feel the energy of the crowd and the buzz of the crowd and all of those tens of thousands of people at some of these races lining up, packing into the corral, all with their bringing their own nervous energy to a situation. So there's that sort of frenetic energy form of anxiety, which again can can be a good thing in a sense that it heightens your senses. It makes your hair stand on its on its on their ends, and it's that that feeling that you get when you know it's time to go, when when your body starts to realize that it's time to get ready, and you, and your your flight or fight response kicks in, and so there's that anxiety associated with a start line that is more that frenetic energy of the people that are all there collectively with you about to go do something big. So in other words, that's another form of sort of an anxiety of anticipation. There's the anxiety of the unknown, which is when you're doing something you've never done before, and that could look like doing your first race of a certain distance. It could also look like trying to run a pace that you've never run for a certain distance. It could look like doing a workout or facing a challenge in training that you've never faced. And so there's that anxiety of the unknown where you start to go to those places of trying to understand what might happen to you in that situation, that new situation. And you start to ask yourself those questions of what if, what will happen? How will I cope? How will I deal? I remember having this type of anxiety as I stood on the start line of my first 50 miler a couple of years ago where I knew that I was trained and ready and yet there was that anxiety of what happens when I go further than I've never been before and to that point the longest run I'd ever done in training was 30 miles and yet I lined up on a day knowing that I was ready to run 50 but not knowing what that would look like when I got to mile 31 and 38 and 41 and 48, not knowing how I would be able to face those situations, not knowing what it would feel like, not knowing if I would find a pain that I'd never experienced before. And so there's that anxiety of the unknown, which has you asking yourself all of these sorts of questions about what might be possible, what might happen, what it might look like when I get there. Then there's the anxiety of, of sort of worry that is basically can be that anxiety of anticipation or that anxiety of the unknown when it crosses over into something that's less productive, where you start to worry about all the things that could potentially go wrong. And it is, I think, in our nature as humans to f- typically focus more on the what if negatives versus the what if positives. And so going into a race, going into a big event, going into a workout, we're often in that situation where we're thinking about what if everything goes wrong? What if it hurts more than I can handle? What if 
something happens that I've never experienced? How will I respond? What if people see what I'm doing and how I'm reacting and think negatively of me? All of those little things we worry about. What if something else goes wrong in addition to the other three or four things that I'm worrying about going wrong? That anxiety of worry where we start to think about those worst case scenarios and really start to lean into and dig into that idea that everything could go wrong. So there's that anxiety and we've all felt it and it can be often quite paralyzing when we get to that place. There's the anxiety of of outcomes, of worrying about what happens at the end. Will I be able to get my goal? What happens if I don't get my goal? What will people think of me if I don't get my goal? What will I do? How will I respond when I don't get my goal? What if I get my goal? Then what does it mean for me? Does that mean I have to then up the ante and continue on that upward trajectory? And so the anxiety of outcomes is something that is a little bit different than the anxiety of worry. Anxiety of worry tends to be centered around the process leading to the outcomes, whereas the anxiety of outcomes is typically all focused on the end game and what happens at the end and will it be what you expected and how will others think about the outcome and what will you do and how will you respond to the outcome. And so that's something that I know we all struggle with as runners. Then there's the anxiety of, have I done enough? Has my training been enough? And so oftentimes this type of anxiety, instead of focusing on the future and the what if about what might happen, we're instead focused on the past and the questions of, did I do all the work that I needed to do? Was my training right? Were the workouts the right ones? Did, what did they mean? Did they indicate that I have the the ability or not to go get done what I want to get done. And so oftentimes that anxiety, it's like the anxiety of the past where we're living instead of worrying about the future, we're worrying about the past and whether or not the work that we've done is enough. And I can tell you going into the Boston Marathon race this year in October, I had a lot of that going on in my mind because I had an up and down training cycle for a couple of reasons. I got food poisoning at one point. I got I had a breakthrough COVID infection. At another point, had some issues as a result around that and and wasn't as consistent as I wanted to be in my training. And so as I was trying to think about what I could do on that day in Boston, a lot of my worry went to the past. What if Everything I did wasn't enough. Some of it I know, I knew, was out of my control, but that didn't keep me from worrying about it, from having anxiety over whether or not I had done the work that I needed to do to get the outcome in Boston that I wanted. And so so that's another form of anxiety, sort of the anxiety of the past. And again, you may feel anxiety in different ways. It may manifest for you a little bit differently, but I think we can all relate to those forms of anxiety in one way or another. And so I want to now talk about what do we do with it? How do we process it? 
And this is going to look similar in many ways to what I talked about with pain, at least for this first point. But the first point is that I think it's important to recognize it when it comes, to just notice the fact that you're having those thoughts and feelings. I was recently saw a, a, a social media video of a friend who was talking about this technique for himself where he might be in traffic and as a part of being in traffic he might be worrying about what he's missing because he got stuck in traffic he might be thinking about the past and thinking well I should have done something differently and I wouldn't be in traffic had I done something differently and so sort of getting lost in traffic and worrying about the future and what you might be missing worrying about the past and what you could have avoided and how that can provide unproductive energy in the context of a situation where there's nothing he could do about staying in traffic. He was already there. It was already affecting him. But his recommendation and technique that was helpful for him was just simply recognizing and noticing when he's doing that. Like sometimes we let that voice get carried away in our head before we realize it's even happening. And a big part of moving through this type of stuff, because it is inevitable, is just noticing when it happens. Just noticing when it happens. And as a part of that, understanding that it's not who you are. Just like pain is not your identity or suffering is not your identity, anxiety is not your identity. It's something that happens to you that's a natural human feeling and emotion but it is not a part of who you are it doesn't mean you're weak to be having these types of feelings we all have them it's an it's in many ways an important part of the stress response in order to get the most out of your body like we have nerves we have anxiety because it promotes a heightened sense of awareness in our body. It puts us on the ready so that we can then go do our biggest and best things. And so it's a normal thing to be feeling. It is not a part of your identity. And the key is being able to channel it into something productive. So step one here of dealing with anxiety is just recognizing it and noticing it. And as a part of that process, I think even in listening to this episode, you can go back and think back to maybe some of those experiences like I just described for me, some of those experiences in your own life so that you can start to to identify and pick up on the patterns of anxiety that might exist for you. Because until we start to recognize and notice when these things are happening, again, objectively, without assigning blame or without assigning it to our identity in any way then it's hard to move past it. So that's point number one here. Point number two here that I alluded to a bit already is understanding that these feelings and emotions associated with anxiety are actually very normal in many ways. And again, here I'm talking about this more ephemeral feeling. I'm not talking about the more chronic and ongoing feelings that some may face as a part of their mental health, but these more ephemeral feelings, they are a normal part of the process because it means a couple of things. 
One, it means that your goals are big enough. Otherwise, you wouldn't have nerves. You know, when you go out and do something that is, that is routine, that is, quote, easy, like going to run a normal recovery run of a distance that you've run hundreds and thousands of times, it doesn't minimize or take away the importance of that run, but you typically don't have nerves and anxiety associated with that, typically, because it's something that you've done before that is in your wheelhouse, that is small potatoes in the grand scheme. And so when you're having these feelings of anxiety and emotion, like worry and anticipation, it's simply a sign that your goals are big enough, that you're going to do something big, that you've got something epic on the horizon. And that's a part of what you signed up for when you decided to take a pursuit like this. The other part, again, that I alluded to is that that is part of your body's mechanism for getting ready to do work, to initiate that flight or fight response so that the heart rate starts to elevate, you get endorphins kicking in, and the body is then becoming ready to perform at its best when things are on the line, so to speak. And so Part of processing these things is recognizing that it's just a normal thing and it's not going away. You know, I've done, as, as I've mentioned before, I've finished 20 marathons. I've been on 21 marathon start lines and I can promise you that I've felt anxiety, anticipation in one form or another in front of every single one of those start lines. And and it's come in different shapes and sizes, looked a little bit different every time, but I've experienced it in every single one. Now, of course, I've gotten better at coping with it. I've gotten better at channeling those feelings into something productive. And so my ability to use that anxiety and, and, and turn it into something that can be for my benefit is better now that I have that experience and I have that practice, but I can promise you that I've had those experiences every time in front of every marathon start line inside the taper. I've had what we like to call taper madness. I've had those feelings of uncertainty and anxiety and anticipation and worry going into these races, usually over a different thing each time, but it's always been there. And that's just simply a sign that I'm doing big things and it's my body's way of getting ready to do big things. So recognize it, observe it, notice the patterns in yourself, and then to make sure you understand and internalize that that that's just a part of the process. And then number three, then it's all about how can I channel this into something productive for me? And there's typically two types of strategies that I think about when I think about managing anxiety. Talked about these strategies on prior episodes, but I want to remind you and dig into them here. And so there's two types of strategies. There's dissociative strategies, and then there's associative strategies. So we'll break those down in turn here. Dissociative strategies is when you decide to distract, to take your mind off of it. 
as a way of coping. And I want to make sure that it's that you understand and recognize that this doesn't mean you ignore and not notice. That prerequisite step of ignore of of observing and understanding and and putting a name in a sense on those feelings that is important no matter what. So this is not about ignoring that those feelings are there. You still want to observe them, name them, and make sure you understand what's happening when it comes. But then, what do you do next with it? And one strategy is to dissociate with it, which means take your mind off of it. Take your mind away so that you can effectively process it because it may not be time to go to battle yet, so to speak. And so oftentimes that distraction is helpful. And this is something I certainly use in advance of my races when I get that feeling of anxiety that may not go away or that may be a little bit debilitating. Oftentimes dissociative strategies are work, work well, which is to take my mind off of things. And that could look like a whole host of things, but it means doing a 180, going in a different direction in advance of a race. It might mean reading a book, watching a movie, binging something on Netflix, going out to dinner with a friend who's, who's promised you that they won't talk about the impending race. Doing something that completely disconnects your brain from those feelings could mean in some situations, if you might be feeling anxiety inside a space like in your house, thinking about what's to come in a race. Maybe it is about getting outside and going for a short recovery run or short, easy prep run so that you can take your mind off things, going for a hike in nature, taking the dog out, whatever it is that will allow you to take your mind off of things so that you can effectively let those feelings dissipate and not overwhelm you and become unproductive. So that's one type of strategy, which is the dissociative strategies. Then there's the associative strategies. This is taking and and observing those feelings, as I've mentioned, always observing and noticing those feelings, as I mentioned, but then channeling it into something productive, something productive that will help you get ready for the task at hand. And so for me, in those situations, I will observe the feeling and then ask myself, What can I do right now in this moment in order to better prepare myself for the race to come or for the workout that's happening the next day? Whatever it may be that you're going to do, just think and ask, what can I do right now to better prepare myself for that work? And that can take a whole host of forms. It could mean planning the work by figuring out where you're going to do it, at what pace you're going to do it on what course you might be doing it. It could look like planning the actual race itself, thinking about your pacing strategy, your race plan, how that dovetails with the course and the elevation chart. It could look like prepping in some way for the pre and post activities, getting thinking about your pre-race meals. It could look like studying the course in a way that allows you to then visualize that race. So it could look like visualization. It could look like 
talking to someone about the race who maybe has done it before that can give you some insight into what that could look like. And so those associative strategies means digging into that next thing that you can do that would be productive to help you prepare for the task at hand. Observe the feelings and then channel that energy into something productive. It could look like looking back at your training logs and seeing all of the great work that you've done that will then help build the mental confidence that you can go do what you plan to do. It could look like digging into the mental strategies, figuring out what your mantras might be so that you can then put those to work on the race course itself. So there's a whole host of things that you could be doing to associate with the race so that you can channel that nervous, frenetic, anxious energy into something that's actually going to help you perform. And it's really important to do that. It's really important to practice doing it because it's not easy. It isn't easy to move from that place of that nervous, frenetic energy to then get into a practical, action-oriented, execution-oriented mindset. So that takes practice. And every chance you, you get to practice it, you'll be better at it the next time. And then that will only build on itself. So I highly encourage you practice this in training in advance of those big workouts that might be worrying you. And definitely practice it in advance of races so that each time you show up with a big goal in front of you, you get a little bit better of channeling that anxious, nervous energy into something that will help you get your goals. So observe, recognize those feelings, name them, understand the patterns that you might experience individually. Two, realize and understand and internalize the fact that this is normal and in many ways is there to help you get your goals and that everyone's feeling the feelings that you might be feeling. And then three, redirect that energy either by dissociating from it or associating with the tasks at hand so that you can go get your goals. That's how I personally channel anxiety into something productive. Okay, let's talk about the opposite type feeling, which is peace. When you feel peace while running, it's one of the most beautiful feelings in my opinion, because we often think of running as something that induces sweat, that induces heartbeats that makes you work that can be violent in its movement at times when we're sprinting. And so in many ways, if you just observe someone running and maybe struggling, especially over those longer distances, in many ways, I think we think it's, it's naturally the opposite of peace. It's a body under stress. And that makes it even more beautiful when we do actually experience those feelings of peace while running. And so I want to talk about some ways that that's manifested for me through the years. One, there's that piece of movement and or what you might call the flow state. Running is often hard. Running is often a struggle. Running, even sometimes on those easy days, feels like it's something that is so difficult. But we all know and have experienced those situations where it just feels 
effortless. And if you haven't experienced that, you need to just keep working, keep running because it will come. But it's that feeling of peace when the movement becomes effortless, when you're in that flow state where all of the challenge seems to melt away and everything just feels so smooth. And I think it's important to experience that type of feeling in the in the heart of training. If you can really get into that relaxed state in your training, then this is something you can actually help bring on yourself. But even without that, I think it's something that we all experience in some form or another, where suddenly you get into that flow state and everything just feels smooth, easy, on rhythm. And you have that sense of peace that comes from effortless movement in the context of an activity that can be very challenging and at times even violent in its movement. So there's that peace of movement, that flow state that you can experience. Another form of peace is the peace of nature, the peace of connecting to the world around us. This is something that. I I think I struggle with a little bit because I started running really for competition, for personal challenge, and yet I have a wife who experiences running differently, and often for her, running is more about connecting to the natural world around her, among other things, but she's definitely somebody who has helped teach me to use running as a way to connect to the natural world. And as I've done that more recently, especially doing more trail in, in recent years, I've been able to really embrace that piece of using movement through nature as a way to connect with the peace of our surroundings and the peace of our environment. And that is powerful and palpable in its own way. And I can remember a, a run that I did sometime in early 2021 where I was really at that time trying to seek variety with my running after suffering from a period of burnout. And so I remember being on a trail run while my son was at a soccer practice and it happened to be sunset. And as I came through this part of the trail single track on the Greenbelt in Austin, I came to this opening, this clearing where suddenly the setting sun was visible to me and the colors were perfect in that they were the reds and oranges and purples that you might experience from a beautiful sunset. And of course you had the natural setting with the woods and the the creek below, Barton Creek below, and everything was just beautiful. And I just remember feeling in that moment so connected to the peace of of my environment so much so that I stopped for a moment and just soaked it in and enjoyed it. And I think we could all do more to put ourselves in positions like that because there's so much that can be healing about that type of experience through our running. So the piece of connecting to our surroundings. Then there's the piece of camaraderie, the piece of being connected to others that has been really palpable for me, especially since I got involved in the road community in 2010 and really at that time uncovered and discovered the power of using running as a form to connect to others 
whereas previously I had been more of a solo runner in my prior experiences. And I like to say now running is only a solo sport if you let it be, but there's that that peace that comes when you're in a group running together, perhaps in, in many ways it seems to manifest on those slow, easy, long runs with my team rogue teammates. But we're in a pack and there's the synergy of the group that starts to manifest to the point where it makes my own running feel effortless and the conversation is flowing. We're talking about everything under the sun, not just running, but life and emotions and feelings. We're cracking jokes and talking about memories and talking about each other in ways that are uplifting. And so that peace that comes of being in a pack of runners that are all going after the same goal, that are like-minded in our pursuit. I mean, there's just, there's few feelings like that to me, for me at least, in running. But that, just that peace of having the group around you, the camaraderie of the group, and knowing that in those moments that that group has your back, that you're not alone in the pursuit. And so there's great peace coming from that camaraderie, that group dynamic, that accountability and power that can come from from running with like-minded individuals. So there's that peace of the group that I've experienced in many ways. I've even experienced it inside of a race where you suddenly might connect with somebody you don't even know. And it happened to me in Boston this year where where I happened to sync up with this woman who was running a similar pace and we ended up running probably five or six miles in sync because we happened to be running at a similar rhythm and and suddenly we fell into rhythm together and and that really helped carry me through the it was probably mile eight or so through about mile thirteen or fourteen. And there was great peace in the context of that race synced up with her knowing that we were running a similar pace that I could turn my brain off a little bit as long as we were kind of shoulder to shoulder and I didn't know her, but we were able to connect through that experience of moving together through space. So there's that piece of camaraderie. Then there's the piece of knowing you have done all you could. That satisfaction, that that contentedness that comes when you've done all the work. And I've experienced this in, in advance of, of several of, of my races, knowing that I've done everything I, I could. I remember having this feeling in advance of my 2018 Houston Marathon, where I was going for a PR there. And I knew that going into that race, I wasn't necessarily fitter than I'd ever been. And that I might have some challenges on the, on the day because of it. But I also knew and had great peace over the fact that I had done everything I could leading into that race. That I'd put myself in the best possible position, given you know, all the challenges you might face in a training cycle to be ready and go do something on that day. And that day was a, a, a PR goal kind of day. And while I, I certainly had nerves and anxiety associated with that, I remember feeling 
a great peace over it too because I just knew that I'd done everything I could and that all I could do on race day was simply execute my plan and that the outcome would take care of itself. And that was a challenging race day, as I alluded to in my episode last week, but I did everything I could. And ultimately, the stars aligned and a PR came on that day. But I just remember going into that race with a great peace, knowing that I'd done all the work possible. I'd done everything asked of me in training, and that's all sometimes you can do. And if you can get to that place where you feel peace in the work, that you've done, then you're in a pretty good spot. Then I've had the piece of results, the piece of satisfaction, knowing that, that I'd gotten my goal. That kind of aligns maybe with some of the things I talked about last week with total victory. It's easy to have peace when you get what you want, perhaps. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't embrace it and celebrate it and recognize it when it comes. Because, you know, we all know that those, those goals don't happen every day, don't always happen the way we want. And so when you, when you do the work and then get the goal and you have that piece of satisfaction of knowing that the outcome you wanted came, there's so much peace that can come from those experiences because it's that feeling in some ways it's a mix of relief that it wasn't all it wasn't all in vain that relief feeling of knowing that you did all the work and you got the result combined with just that pure joy and satisfaction of seeing a goal in hand and so that's the piece of a good result that is that peace that we're all seeking but also we know it comes in other forms too but that's one of the more satisfying ones when we know we got the result we wanted and we can have peace because of it so those are some ways that I've experienced peace I want to talk about how you can channel and process peace in a way that's productive that can also then ooze into other parts of your life And so I'll talk about a few things here about what do we do with those feelings when they come. One, just like with anxiety, it's important, I think, to recognize it, to name it, to call it out when it happens. So you can just say, hey, look, I feel peace because of this situation, just like some of those examples I've described. So recognize it, name it, call it out. Associated with that. I think you should also linger in it. In our world, we are are programmed in many ways by the stimuli around us to always be moving to the next thing, to always seek that next rush, that next endorphin hit, that next moment of anxiety or drama because it makes us feel. And so when you do recognize and notice those moments of peace, that I just encourage you to linger in it, to not rush away from it. For me, on the trail that day, it, it, met, it manifested in just pausing, stopping, and watching the sunset for about five minutes, which meant stopping my run, pausing my run, and just soaking in that peace that I was feeling from that natural environment. But, but it obviously comes in and many forms of 
you know, when you have those moments of peace, just stay there. Linger in it. Lean into it. Embrace those moments with your team, with your group, when you feel the vibes are there. Linger in the peace of getting a result and just let it soak in. Feel all of the feels from a positive standpoint of having those peaceful experiences because too often we'll, we'll see it and we'll run away from it. We'll then go on to the next thing. So recognize it, then linger in it. Third thing I would say is take your lessons from it. Think about how did I get to this place? What were these steps that I took to find this moment of peace? And sometimes it just happens. There aren't always perfect answers for how you got there, but sometimes there are. And you can say, well, look, what was it that led me to this place? How did I get into this flow state on the run? Was it because I was more relaxed than ever? Was it because I wasn't pressing? Was it because I approached this maybe differently than in the past? What about that result? How did I get a piece of results? What led me to this place? And so take your lessons about how you got there and internalize it so that you can get back there again. Because those moments are few and far between. And so we have to take our lessons and make sure that we internalize what got us there so that we can get there more often and then so we can linger and enjoy it more often. And then the last thing I would say is share it. Share it with others. Talk about it with your training partners. Talk about it with your partners in life. Talk about it with your friends. Share it. Show others how you got there. Because... Believe me, when you start to give that to the world, it'll come back to you tenfold. And so don't keep it to yourself. Don't hide the secret sauce recipe. Share it with others so they can experience it as well and so that they can experience it with you so that you can thrive together. So that's my last tip. When you experience those moments of peace, don't forget to share it with others. And so as we wrap this last episode for me of 2021, I wanted to thank everybody for listening. It's been a pleasure to share some of my moments of peace with you as we enter this season of peace. I hope everybody has a good holiday. I will be off again for the next couple of weeks. Back to you in January, the week of the 10th with new episodes. I'm approaching the 2 million download milestone which i'm excited about and i have all of you to thank for that so as i sign off on this year 2021 i just wanted you to know that i'm thankful for all of you and excited to be with you again in the new year with new episodes coming so with that we'll wrap 2021 this has been episode 259 of the running rogue podcast as always you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on twitter instagram or facebook at rogue running Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. See you in the new year.